It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and we are broadcasting today with the University of Iowa in front of a live studio audience. All right. How about that? How about that? And in case you didn't know, the University of Iowa is the number two party school in America. So we thought we'd take this opportunity to do a public service announcement for drug awareness. Just say no to drugs. Aunt Nancy said it uh, decades ago. Nancy Reagan, if you don't know. You guys are so young, you don't know who that is. Uh, Just say no to drugs. So we're just going to go around the room. I'll shove the microphone in your face. Give me one good reason why you should not do drugs. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. Don't want to die. Well, that's kind of it's not healthy, so that doesn't count. (laughs) No, okay, I'll give that to you. You don't want to die. Hurt your body. You can hurt your body? There's a lot of very health-conscious people in the room. My coach would kill me. Your coach would kill you. Your coach would kill you. Literally. Would, would your coach... Now, would your coach kill you if it was a certain kind of drug or just all drugs in general? All of them in general. Okay, and what's your sport? Field hockey. Field hockey, okay. That's, you've got to be mean to play that. You know, I have no idea. I've never no? tried. Okay, your coach would get mad. You're, I think you're right. Why should we not do drugs? My coach would kill me, too. Your coach in field hockey as well? Yeah. Okay. Well, you've got a mean coach. So what we've learned is if you want to do drugs, don't play field hockey at the University of Iowa. Okay. Why don't we do drugs? Because uh, I have people that care, care about me. You do. I care about you. I, they care about you. They do. Yeah. Do you want to do that again? Yeah. Let's do it again. <laughs> no, I'll cry. I'll, I, people care about me. I'm not going to cry this time, though. So. <laughs> okay. All right. And that's a, that, we'll end on that one, because you're right. There's a lot of people that care about you. Friends, family members, people through your life, people you haven't even met yet. Um, they care about you, and they don't want you to do drugs. That is a public service announcement from the number two party school in America, the University of Iowa. You can catch up with The Adam Ritz Show online. Podcasts of recent shows, including this one, can be found at adamritzshow.com. Like us on Facebook at Facebook slash Adam Ritz Show, or follow at Adam Ritz on Twitter. We are in Pullman, Washington, on the campus of Washington State University with head coach, head women's basketball coach, June Doherty. Hello, June. How are you? Hey, good afternoon. I'm doing great. And we are not here to talk about sports or basketball, although I might squeeze a basketball story out of you later. But we're here to talk about your work with um, a social issue, a heart health issue. Uh, What are you involved with from a heart health uh, social perspective? Well, first of all, let me tell you that I'm a cardiac arrest survivor. Six years ago, my heart completely stopped one afternoon, and I was actually uh, dead. And 
fortunately for me, 11 cardiologists from the, from the Everett Heart Clinic happened to be about 40 feet from my car. My daughter ran out to ask for help. They came out in the rain in Seattle, and with defibrillators, they were able to save my life. And you were dead. Yeah, I was gone. I was gone for the count. The, in fact, the uh, the EMTs are, answered the call from Everett as well. Uh, they had shocked me four times. I did not come back. Uh, they asked the cardiologist to go ahead and call it at the scene, you know, to, to say she's deceased. And he uh, he had done some work with me earlier, and he said she's got a strong heart. She's an athlete. There's no way. And he just kept going. And on the seventh time of being shocked with a portable defibrillator, I came back and was revived. What was the scenario where you happened to be that close to all of that equipment? Were you just going for a checkup? Um, what if you had been on the on the 18th green? Yeah, no, I was just so I exactly that. I was into a routine doctor's appointment, just a little bit of follow up, and uh, uh, fortunately, my daughter that day did not feel well, did not go to school. She was 13 at the time, and she asked if she could stay with me that day, and uh, you know, so she happened to be in the car with me, and that's when I had my arrest, and uh, she turned to me and looked. And, and I was totally gone and, and you know, ran into the clinic, like I said earlier. And uh, fortunately for, for myself that the, the cardiologist knew that I was a strong athletic person and that my heart shouldn't be in a situation where it cannot be revived. And he, st- he stayed with me. And as, a, as head women's basketball coach here at, at Washington State University and a former uh, player at Ohio State, you, you'd said you're an athlete. How much did that play into, uh, I guess, your heart health? Um, did the doctors tell you if you weren't a former athlete, if you were obese, or if you were um, an unhealthy eater, or any other of those factors? Would this have happened way earlier or way more extreme? I don't know how it could have been more extreme. I mean, you were dead. but <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, with, you have to understand, in women's, uh, the study of women in heart disease, it's the number one killer of women in the United States. It's seven times more prevalent than breast cancer, diabetes, any of those. I think that shocks people to even hear that, that that's the number one killer of women in the United States. Um, The the research in women and cardiac deaths and just cardiac disease only started about 12 years ago. So they don't have a lot of answers to why we are having as many many health problems and issues as as we are having with heart disease. Um, That's why, you know, people have to get behind the American Heart Association and and, and donate money to Hope Heart and uh, Sudden Cardiac Arrest and any of those agencies that are out there trying to find the answers so that the next generation doesn't doesn't have the high statistical rate of death because of heart disease in women. June Doherty is our guest, um, head women's basketball coach at Washington State University and a cardiac arrest survivor. Your work with uh, heart health and, and heart, you were telling me off, off mic about the work you do with kids, with elementary school kids. Tell us some of those statistics. Well, I think one of the things that every parent out there has to understand, and you know, we hope that your, your kids are active and in sports or enjoying just being on the playground, playing recess, you know, that, that's so important for their health to, to, to be healthy hearts as young people. But one of the number one killers of young children is cardiac arrest. And we see more cardiac arrests on playgrounds in elementary, junior high, and obviously high schools than we see anywhere else in the country. Unfortunately for us right now, a lot of states do not mandate that there are 
defibrillators in schools. And because of that, we lose a lot of kids. We lose about, about 10 to 15 kids a day in the United States because we are, we are not able to revive them quick enough. Several times, it's just heartbreaking to know that if there was a defibrillator close by, there's about a four to five minute window, those young people could have been saved. So, uh, you know, a huge advocate of getting defibrillators in the schools and for parents to know that most of the time, that the elementary schools that their kids are in are not as safe as a kid being in a mall, a casino, or even in an airplane because all three of those areas actually have defibrillators mandated to be in, in the area. So it's a four-minute window when you have a cardiac arrest, heart attack, so some kind of action where your heart stops. And that, that four minutes can go pretty fast if you don't have a defibrillator close by. Close by. I'm going to ask you a question you've probably been asked a, a thousand times, and, and I'm going to be the thousand and first. <laughs> when do, what do you remember about that day when you went into cardiac arrest and you were uh, pronounced dead? Um, was there a light? Are psychics yeah. trying to get in touch with you to find out what you know about the other side? Yeah, you know, I, I tr truly have been asked that a lot, and it's a curious question for, uh, for everybody. But the only way I can answer to it, to be honest with you, is um, I ended up in the hospital for eight days, and I had short-term memory loss from the whole situation. So I remember actually being in the parking lot close to the cardiac cardiologist unit, and my daughter being with me, and the next thing I can remember is being in the hospital and being surrounded by my family, my friends, and teammates, and asking, who are we here to see? So there's, you know, there's a big lag for those eight days of memory loss. Uh, so as far as I know, I, I didn't see any lights. I didn't have any voices, I think. But I can tell you, wherever I was, it was very peaceful. And, and, and that's about all that I, that I can truly tell you that I remember from that day. That is just, that is amazing. What an amazing story. We thank you for your work with with uh, heart health awareness and consciousness, with defibrillators in schools, all the, all the charity work you do. Are there uh, foundation websites or Facebook pages maybe we can look up some of this stuff you work with? Or? Just go to the American Heart Association and, and, and Google it, look it up, and, and find out. And Go ask your principal, do you have a defibrillator in my school, you know, for whatever level your children are at? Because often or not, there, there isn't one. And that four minutes is that precious window. And like I said, we're losing 10 or 15 kids a day in the United States on playgrounds because we don't have defibrillators that could save their lives. Well, before I let you go, let's uh, turn up the heat and have some fun here with uh, head coach of women's basketball at Washington State University, June Doherty. We thank you for your time, and let's have uh, some fun with maybe one of your best memories either as a player at Ohio State University or as a coach here at Washington State. Uh, a lot of great memories. You know, I, I've been so fortunate to have great coaches and great teammates and be in a very positive situation. I actually had a player when I coached at University of Washington who had a cardiac arrest and came back and, and uh, our team had to go back and, and play a basketball game two days after she had her arrest and was in a coma. Uh, uh, yeah, and it was the most amazing thing to see our team go down and play USC. And we ended up in a double overtime game. Our kids had been up for, for 48 hours. The staff had been up for 48 48 hours just trying to deal with Kayla and help her, her through her situation. But uh, I, I've never seen, you know, statistically, we lost every stat on that game. Field goal percentage, steals, turnovers, rebounds, but we won the game. And it was one of the most amazing feelings to see both teams come together at half court and, and embrace each other and, and look up to the sky and say, this one was for Kayla. Thank the Lord. Was this before or after your cardiac arrest? It was actually about five years before mine. 
And actually, and Kayla actually stayed in the hospital with me when I had my arrest. As soon as she heard about it, she drove to the hospital. She stayed with me. She helped, uh, uh, you know, with my family and uh, obviously with, with my doctors and the choices that had to be made to, throughout the eight days when I was unconscious. And you guys are you're now, you're heart sisters forever. We, we are. We are. <laughs> we're, we're two, two uh, very, very close individuals. She, she actually works for Hope Heart in Seattle and is making a huge difference in, in raising awareness and funds for healthy hearts and women. And she's also an, e- an EMT, so I'm, I'm just super proud of her. That is so cool. All right. Well, June Doherty, uh, we wish you the best of luck with your, your heart uh, awareness, heart health awareness stuff that you're working with in your charities and foundation. And we be- wish you the best of luck on the court this uh, season with Washington State University basketball as well. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks. My pleasure. This is Anthony Costanzo, and you're listening to The Adam Ritz Show. Hey, what's up? We're Simple Plan, here for RAD, recording artists, actors, and athletes against drunk driving. How could this happen to me? I made my mistakes. Want to make a difference? It's simple. Be responsible. Plan ahead. Designate before you celebrate. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. It's the Adam Ritz Show. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to the broadcast. Uh, we move right along with a, with a special guest from Miami, the beach, South Beach. Or actually, it's Coral Gables, uh, I've just learned. But we welcome Miami Hurricane football player Brandon Yosha to the broadcast. Hi, Brandon. How are you? Adam, how's it going? I'm doing, I'm doing great. And uh, you look great. You've got your green sweatpants on with the U on there. And first of all, let's get that out of the way. The U... When people ask you where you go, you say the U. Of course. Of course. And time, what if you say, I go to the University of Miami? Do, do your teammates look at you and say, no, 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 it's the U? Yeah, a couple times when I went to breakfast when I first uh, got back, uh, they were like, what, Brandon, why are you telling them you go to the University of Miami? Just, just say the U. You know, it's the most recognizable brand in college football. Just say the U, and they'll know, <laughs> you, they'll know exactly what you're saying. But, uh, yeah, that's how that went. The history of the logo, it's obviously a, a U, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming it, it's for the first letter of the word university. Right. What is the, um, the way it's divided in half? One side of it's orange, one side of it's green. Is there some sort of tradition there that you can educate us about? You know, actually, Coach Nellenberger in the 80s, when the f- program finally tur- uh, turned around for the better, uh, they were going to get rid of the U, and they were going to put uh, a hurricane logo but Schnellenberger said, you know, we're going to make the U more recognizable than IBM. I remember that quote-unquote. And the orange and the green, that's our, obviously our team colors, and they just stuck with the U, and we made it a recognizable thing. My daughters, think it, they, they think it looks like the Jimmy John's logo. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever hear that? Never heard that. That's the first time for that one. Does that ring a bell? The Jimmy, you know the J and the J. If you took one of the J of the Jimmy John's logo and did a mirror image of it, it would it would be the U. Yeah, I'm with you, but I, that's the first time I've heard. It. I'm with you, but I haven't heard that before. First time. So it's uh, football player Brandon Yosha. What's your number? Number forty eight. Number forty eight. Running back. Um, Miami Hurricanes. I mean, this is big time Division One college football. Uh, how much? of a grind is it when you consider that you also have to, you know, study and, and worry about your academics, forget the social life. I mean, academics and football, how much of a grind is that? Yeah. Speaking of social life, it's hard to even fit that in most of the time, but, uh, you know, I'm blessed to be, to be where I'm at. I don't, I don't wish I had it any other way. You know, I, I enjoy the grind. I, uh, 
I, I, I try my best to enjoy every day, you know, how hard it is. It doesn't matter. I, I, I get through it. But um, it, it definitely was a, a huge transition from high school, you know, coming in uh, in the summer, going right into the summer workouts, and I was shocked how much we ran. I mean, we ran more than I had ran all of a high school summer in one day. You know, it was it was a lot of work, but eventually you start to get used to it, and it, it just becomes in, ingrained in your body and in mind that, you know, I got to do this every day, and you attack every day that, that uh, with that mentality. Brandon Yosha is our guest, uh, running back at the Miami University, at the U, I'm sorry, at the U, the University of Miami with the Hurricanes. And we bring you on the show to talk about some uh, inspirational inspirational aspects of, of your football career. Uh, first, it's inspiring to me that um, the perseverance that it took to battle through two major injuries and still get back on the football field. What were those injuries you had in high school? And did they almost end your career? Uh, I, well, f- the first injury was a uh, torn uh, anterior cruciate ligament ACL on the left knee. And the second one was an ACL on the right knee along with an MCL and a meniscus. So I did a total, um, knee reconstruction in the second knee on the right. And those are obviously very, very, um, long rehab injuries. You know, it's, it, t- it takes a lot of work to get back from those type of injuries and they both those both happened in high school yep both of them high school my freshman year and right before my junior year and give us some perspective Uh, any uh big time names we've we remember from the nfl that had those injuries that couldn't overcome them that had to end their career well my dad always used to say gail sayers he said that gail sayers was the best running back you know of his generation and you know it knocked him out two or three ACLs and he was done you know he couldn't play anymore but now today it's a little more common for guys to come back from an ACL it's just a matter of how effective they are when they come back if you can play at a high level with an ACL or or two you know I'm reminded speaking of the U and injuries uh, of McGahee um, the running back from the U that was well, Frank he, Gore, he, Frank he had an well. enormous injury and I never thought he'd come back and he came back and he's play, he plays great in the NFL Frank Gore you say as well yeah, Frank Gore uh, with the 49ers he had two ACLs and McGay he had that one in the Ohio State game in the national championship but Frank Gore had two and he came back and now he's what leading the rushing almost every year in the NFL and he played his senior year for Miami, we've had a lot of a lot of great running backs, and some that have torn their ACL. And it's ironic that I chose Miami because the the same staff um, for athletic training is still there that helped McGahee and Frank Gore get back on the field. So I'm blessed to be with those people. How about mentally for you? I mean, when you suffer the second injury, uh, I'm sure there's some dark days after that where you were like, "Gosh, I'm finally healthy. I'm back on the field." Boom, another injury. Mentally, how did you cope with that? Uh, it took a lot of praying. Um, a lot of faith in God, definitely. I, uh, I had some dark days, like you said, obviously, um, two weeks after, three weeks after, and it starts to get better day by day. And, you know, eventually you just say, either I'm just going to feel sorry for myself the rest of my life, or I'm going to make, I'm going to make a difference and I'm going to, I'm going to make it back and get back as, as, as best I possibly can. And once you finally say that, to yourself, um, it's not that bad. You know, you just got to work at it every day and keep your support support system strong. So now that you're healthy and back on the field, is there is the rehab over, or or do you still have to do rehab? Um, what what goes on from here on out? Uh, you know, I have 
tune-ups every now and then. Uh, I I tried to stay in the training room as much as possible after practice just to make sure that my body's in line. It's definitely um, it's definitely not over by any stretch of the imagination. I have to you know stretch more than the normal athlete does. I have to take care of my body more than a normal athlete does because I've been through those injuries. But it's just part of it. You know I I uh, take it in stride and I keep keep rehabbing and it's not going to slow me down. Never give up, never surrender. It's inspiration from Brandon Yosha uh, with a couple could-be career-ending injuries that he's battled back from, and now he's a, a player with the Miami Hurricanes. That's pretty impressive. Now, we're not talking Division Three football. This is a major D1 program. So uh, if he can do it, by golly, you can do it too. That's inspiration for all of us. Um, number 46, you say? 48. I'm sorry, 48. Number 48 with the Miami Hurricanes. Brandon Yosha is our guest. And part two of the inspiration I wanted to bring to the table with this uh, conversation we're having is uh, your freshman year at Miami. Um, you were highly recruited. All over the country, you were one of the top seven running backs in the country coming out of high school. Um, but the injuries sort of halted some of the scholarship offers. You fell in love with Miami during your official visit and your recruiting, and you wanted to go to Miami and you walked on there. Um, tell us, this is amazing to me. Tell us about uh, the statistic that you're like the first and only guy in the history of this planet to walk on at Miami and play yeah. your freshman year. How's that? What? Are you kidding me? Yeah, it was. It was a blessing, and I, I I'm extremely blessed. And when I when I look in the grand scheme of things, you know, when I had that injury, my second injury, my junior year, I I could have never been told that I was going to play for the University of Miami as a true freshman, as a walk on. And it, it, I mean, it's, not it's, to interrupt you, but this is where Reggie Wayne uh, went to college. This is where Ray Lewis oh, went on went on. to college. A, a bevy of all pro players throughout history play football at Miami. Mm-hmm. And even some of those guys don't even see the field till their sophomore or junior year. Yeah. You're a true freshman walk-on and you're playing. Yeah. Uh, one of my running back coaches actually commented on that. Uh, right before our first game, uh, we were going to Boston College and he grabs me to the side before we hop on the plane and he says, Brandon, you realize you're the first freshman that I've ever had walk on that's traveled with us week one in the first game of, of, of their college career and have a chance to play and actually get on the field. And I I called my parents and told them that right before I got on the plane, and, and I think I got a tear out of my dad. <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully he doesn't get upset that I said that on record, but he, uh, he was very proud of me. My family was very proud that I didn't give up and – you know, I, I do it for them, and I do it for the support system that I have, and I'm glad I can make them proud. So you said your first game you actually played in was against Kansas State. This was the year they, I mean, they were ranked like number two for a while there. What were they ranked when you played them? They were actually number 10 in the country, I'm pretty sure. And you, this was at Kansas State? This was at K-State, 80,000 plus, oh, all screaming, going nuts, purple crowd. It was, it was intimidating at first, that's for sure. And what was the... Uh, First play you were in on. I'm assuming it's special teams, kickoff return, or or kickoff. Yeah, this is the third quarter, and uh, we're we're down about 20 points. And Coach Golden looks at me, and says, "Yosh, you're in." And my heart dropped when he told me that. Uh, it was it was actually on kickoff, and I run out with the guys uh, after they they make the huddle. And man, I I, I honestly went blank like I, I I don't even really remember it I had to look back on the video to actually remember it because I was so into the moment that it was it was it was 
I, it was, I can't even describe it. It was just a great feeling. And, and, and in the end, you know, I look back on it and I think of the injuries my junior year and my freshman year in high school. And I'm, I'm thinking, man, like everything worked out for me. Everything happened for a reason. You know, I, I, I didn't think that could possibly be true when I first got hurt in high school. It was, it was uh, hard to believe that everything happened for a reason, you know, that I tore my ACL twice in high school and I could, I could actually come back. I didn't think that, you know, that was actually possible, but it, it worked out, you know. Up until that point of that game, you were you thinking, hey, this is great. I got to travel with the team. Right. You probably weren't thinking, I'm ever going to get in the game. Did he give you any warning you might get in the game at some point, or were you truly out in left field, maybe looking up in the stands or wondering what you were going to do for your test on Tuesday, and all of a sudden he says, you're in, and your heart drops, you're like, you had, did you have any warning before he said you're in, that you were going to go in? Fortunately, I did have a, I did have a forewarning. They, they told me before the game um, that there was an opportunity that I, I might be able to get into the game. Um, but I, I didn't think there was that good of a shot of me getting in, so I was just enjoying the, the steak on the plane and the, <laughs> and the shrimp cocktails at dinner. But uh, when we got to game day, I said, "Man, I better be ready," because you know it was a crazy atmosphere. It was insane. I, it's it's I mean eighty thousand plus. They played in the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. You know that's yeah. that's big time right there. But uh, I wasn't completely shocked when when they told me. But I I mean, I was I was. So adrenaline rush was is an understatement. That's that's all I gotta say about that. So Monday back on campus in your special teams video uh, film session, did uh, did you do it wrong or did you do it right? I did it right, and that's why I got a promotion the next week, and I, I became a starter uh, the next week. Actually, we played Georgia Tech, and I uh, played the whole season on kickoff. So that was great. They they uh, I passed. You know, I passed the test. I did I did well. So then for the whole season as a starter on kickoff team, what's your best play on the field this uh, this past season? Well, actually, it was I'd have to go with NC State. Uh, it was at home, and my family was actually there, fortunately. Hot day. Oh, it was probably 105 degrees. It felt like 120. Uh, I go down on kickoff, and the NC State uh, kick returner tries to make a move on me, and I shoestring tackle him. And it's a solo tackle, and all the all the players are going crazy, giving me love after the play, and that was that was a special experience, and that was my first tackle of the season, so I'll never forget that one. You're in the record books. Yeah, I was in the record books. That's all I could think about. That was the fourth game of the season. My family got to see it, and uh, you know that that was a, a good way to get my feet wet for the future. You, Ray Lewis, and Warren Sapp have all had tackles for the U. Yep, I'm I'm glad to be a part of a <laughs> part of that record book. That, that's that's cool that you pointed that out. It's Brandon Yosha running back the University of Miami with the Hurricanes. Um, Chuck Pagano, who battled leukemia this past season, head coach of the uh, NFL Colts, uh, he coached for a little while at Miami. I was just curious, was there any sort of Chuck Strong um, posters in the locker room, any, any sort of uh, leukemia awareness in the locker room, connection through the U and Coach Pagano? You know, Coach Golden didn't have much time to really speak on Chuck, but we always knew that he was with the U. We knew that he was a great coach at the U, and that's where he started, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, we were with him in spirit, and we uh, definitely said a prayer for him one or two of the nights when the chaplain came in to speak with us. So that was good. And it's always neat to see um, on the field with the NFL players on the other team that 
played under him at Miami give him a special hug after the game. I mean, that, that shows you the brotherhood of football as well. Right, exactly. No, I'm with you. Okay, so let's have some fun now. The U, um, the Hurricanes, the University of Miami. It's Brandon Yosha joining us, running back for the U. Uh, tell us about the campus. Um, is it on the beach? Is, it, uh, is there a tiki bar in your student union? I mean, what's going on? Oh, man, we have a lot of fun. Uh, beautiful weather year-round. You can't complain about that. Uh, we're about 20 minutes from the beach, so that's always nice. And uh, we have a lot of, a lot of t- entertainment. We, we never really get bored in Miami, that's for sure. Now, there's a lot of celebrity um, connection with the University of Miami. Do you, ever, do you ever run off the sideline after a kickoff and you look up in the stands and there's Enrique uh, Iglesias or somebody standing in the front row going, hey, way to go, Brandon. Well, I don't know about actually on game day, but two <laughs> weeks two weeks after I get there, I see uh, Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod, actually, walk into, our, walk into our weight room, and he's got Cameron Diaz on his right arm, and he, he's saying, hey, what's going on, guys? And he didn't even go to the University of Miami. You know, he was supposed to go there, but he, he just checked in on us and Wanted to give us uh, good luck before the season started, so that was cool to see that. Did you spot Cameron on the uh, bench press? <laughs> no, I didn't get a chance to do that, no. Well, we're, uh, we're all jealous that you're enjoying um, the U uh, near the beach, the Hurricanes. We, we're cheering for you. Uh, it's inspiring. You've battled back from the um, injuries. It's inspiring that you overcame uh, your freshman year as a walk-on to actually play, I mean, yeah. which has never happened. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be watching for you. Uh, Brandon Yosha, number 46 with the Miami. I'm, who's number 46? I'm stuck on 46. I don't, I, don't, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know about a 46, but I'm number 48. If 40, maybe what, what this is telling me, I'm subconsciously telling you that if 46 is available, I could come <laughs> down there and walk on and play. Could I be number 46? It's, it's open right now, so you, you got a shot, man. Okay, so... The U, number 48, Brandon Yosha. Look for him on the field, uh, falls on a, on a cable channel near you. Yep, yep. There, it will be prime time next year. All right, Brandon, I appreciate you coming on the show. We wish you the best of luck. Great. Thank you so much, Adam. I appreciate it. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.